Hi guys, welcome back to the Muscle Mentors podcast. We are, this is the second episode we've recorded in 24 hours, which for us is pretty incredible. Um, guest of interview number 25, he is a reoccurring guest in the form of Mr. Joe Jeffrey. Thanks for having me back, guys. Appreciate it. Luke is here as well. He's just played two and a half hours of tennis. Um, I'm not sure how long it's going to be able to last, but how are you, Luke? I'm very well. Um, yeah, pretty tired. Pretty, uh, pretty hot, pretty tired. Joe's just blown uh, his eye socket out training legs. So I'm doing this on video. If anyone's watching this, apologies for anyone that has to look at this eye. I like... I basically, have you ever done this? I, I was just talking to Luke about this. Cal, have you ever done this where like you brace a bit too hard and you like pop your eye? Um, yeah. Worst I've done is like frequently just I get very bloodshot eyes. Mm. I've never done anything like that. Were you squatting? Yeah, yeah. It's so I was at the top and I essentially just brace a bit like over my head and it went bing. I wasn't doing tibialis raises. It was a reverse banded tibialis raise on the on the Cybex Eagle V10. <laughs> <laughs> that I haven't forgotten. <laughs> um, anyway, Luke, I know you've got to go in like half an hour. So my mission here is if I can cover this topic in half an hour, that would be Incredible. amazing. And it would probably be useful based on what I've found, because um, I did one of these Q&As yesterday and Metformin came up quite a bit. I didn't ask any question. I didn't answer any questions on it primarily because selfishly, I was kind of looking at what people wanted to know. And I think actually what people just want is a basic, you know, what does it actually do? How does it work? And is it actually useful to, to like our cohort, maybe like physique development, health, maybe yeah. longevity. Um, so if we just like, don't dig too far into the research, but I'll probably mention a few studies just offhand as we go through. If, if anyone does want specific references, you know, just just ask, and I can always I can always um, just ping them over to you. But yeah, we'll just do a basic high-level primer, kind of what it does, considerations, um, can it help, what can it help with, stuff like that. Yeah, that sounds perfect, mate. Cool. So I suppose the most basic place to start is what is it? Um, so it's a, it's a drug essentially it's derived from Galligan which is an extract from a plant I think it's called um, Galliga officinalis or something like this this was um, in the early 1900s Galligan was tested I think it was in the 1920s but um, within itself it was too toxic it, it was actually tested for improving glucose tolerance all the way back then um, so metformin is actually a synthetic derivative of Galligan which is a kind of nod towards anyone that follows a safer use model of their drug use anyway. It's like, look, we've got now nearly 100 years of, of literature on, on these extracts, which is one of the big plus signs in anyone that's going to use a drug, you should have a long history of research on it. Um, metformin is a very unique molecule in the sense that it hasn't been designed to target a specific pathway or mechanism. Um, and this is, I think this is actually why people find it quite confusing um, or why it's misunderstood sometimes or, or actually it's like specific deployment for a reason isn't understood because it has so many different mechanisms because it's a, a, a synthetic derivative of something just naturally occurring. It hasn't got like a, it hasn't been synthesized with a specific biological action. Um, 
to, to make a comparison here in our cohort that makes sense, look at these non-steroidal SAMs, right? They, they are being synthesized for the fact that they are tissue selective. So I could say, I only want this to bind here and not have any off-target side effects here. And so this is very specific, been de developed exactly for this singular pathway. Metformin just does what it does all, all over the place kind of thing, you know? Um, which is what makes it a little bit uh, confusing. Anyway, I didn't mention it was actually synthesized around the 1920s. So again, data going quite far back. We didn't see its clinical use until the 50s. Um, but this is, you know, all the way back to 1950, that's a long history of, of literature that you can dig through. And trust me, it is a lot of literature um, because I've tried and I haven't been through all of it. Um, so predictability of outcomes and historical clinical settings and how we look at safety and tolerability levels and things like that. We have loads to go off, which is a big plus for anyone that wants to structure their drug use in a, a safer model, so to speak. So that's what it is really. Um, next thing would be what it does. I imagine we'll cover the big hitters here. Cause there's a, a hundred things we could talk about the mechanisms of action, but we'll cover the, the things most specific to us, I guess. So well, one thing to do, I was thinking, I don't know if this is the place to bring it in, but it's often compared to Burberry in terms of its mm. mechanism of action. Obviously the actual, intricacies of its mechanisms differ quite a bit but the effects can be quite right. Simple, right but that could be something to just work in something people can relate to that because there's obviously a big comparison there in terms of like what 1500 milligrams of berberine is comparable to 1500 milligrams of metformin yeah it? yeah so those studies have been done milligram for milligram um on improvements in glucose tolerance and I think that's some, gone down this like Chinese whispers line that they, they do the same thing. Um, I would say they can achieve a common goal, but their mechanisms of action are very different. Um, so maybe the common goal would be improving blood glucose levels, but berberine via its action as a glucose disposal agent versus metformin as its action to improve blood glucose levels that we can come onto are very different. There's also no reason why you couldn't use both Maybe, you know, it's always good within a model to activate multiple pathways, but use relatively less of the dose required for the same, you know, clinical outcome. Um, but yeah, they have been compared with one another in trials and found to be just as effective with one another at a milligram to milligram basis, which, you know, berberine is an excellent compound. But as I say, both improve blood glucose levels. The way that metformin improves blood glucose levels is via its actions uh, hepatically on the liver. So it decreases gluconeogenesis. Um, so therefore reducing hepatic glucose output. So for anyone that doesn't know what gluconeogenesis is, um, it's the conversion of stuff to glucose. Usually in our cohort, we'd, we'd reference amino acids. So, you know, the dietary protein that you eat, if it is in such an excess that the demand is driven for it to be converted to glucose, that can occur. Um, it also decreases um, hepatic lipogenesis. Um, so it will promote fat oxidization via inhibiting fat synthesis, thus reducing hepatic lipid stores and increasing hepatic insulin sensitivity. And this is how it, it's interesting because it doesn't directly reduce blood glucose, you see, because it also gets compared to insulin. Um, 
you know, because I had this with a client the other day who was anxious about taking metformin because he was worried about becoming hypoglycemic. Um, unlike berberine, because berberine will directly reduce your blood glucose, metformin doesn't directly reduce blood glucose. It's kind of a mechanism downstream, this cascade of events that happen hepatically, right? Um, a very different mechanism to, to berberine. Does some other cool things that are worth noting for us. So it's actions on the gut are pretty cool. How it alters gut microbiome. Luke, this is probably something you've dug into. I know you're into your, your gut health and, and stuff. So um, it's actions on the gut and, and how it alters the gut microbiome uh, basically increases gluto glucose utilization and you'll like this one, it increases GLP-1. Um, so, well, why don't you let us know what GLP-1 is, bro? Well, so glucone like peptide one is, I mean, it's pretty much just a magical peptide that's produced in the gut. <laughs> it's, um, I mean, it does an outrageous number of things in terms of, am I right in thinking this drug that has been bounced around Victoza is GLP-1? Yes, yeah, a synthetic recombinant GLP-1, yeah. So in terms of its ability to reduce hepatic glucose, um, output like reduce cholesterol levels increase hgl reduce ldl improve contractibility of the heart um i mean was it increase well generally increased insulin sensitivity so i mean i imagine that a lot of potentially some of the benefits with regards to modulating blood glucose come from it from the metformin's effects on glp1 yeah, so you see how we're looking at like how, why it's confusing now because we've got the effects on the liver and now we've also got these effects on the gut. Both could be achieving a common goal, right? Um, so that's pretty interesting. Aside from as well, because obviously like GLP-1 is massively implicated in um, kind of reducing the buildup of like atherosclerotic plaque and things like that. So I imagine, you know, in terms of cardiovascular health and probably a really good thing as well yeah well we see these things happen with metformin in like epidemiological studies like increases in longevity and the question is like how did it do that and, and because you've got all of these things happening just like you say you kind of think it could be this mechanism it could be this but you know at least we know that it does it so like you say that could be increasing the longevity of metformin users in these epidemiological studies that have been done it could be that they maybe store less body fat over the long term or they weigh less or whatever. But, you know, I think this is ultimately where people get confused because it just doesn't do one thing, you know. Um, the only other thing probably worth us touching on is that it, it decreases inflammation. So it suppresses monocyte differentiation into macrophages, essentially. So we see a, a decrease in inflammation. I also activate an AMPK is probably worth mentioning, but we can come up to that in a bit if you want. Yeah, I just pulled up a thing. I just typed in berberine and metformin into PubMed, mm. saying like, so berberine protects against metformin-associated lactic acidosis in induced diabetes mellitus. So there's a, you know, again, like you said, potentially using both. Um, as you know, they definitely, you know, if that's the case, they're obviously going to have different mechanisms. Yeah, I think for anybody listening that is a performance enhancing drug user, you, one of your cornerstones of your model in making it as safe as possible over the long term is ask yourself what's the the minimum dose you can drive many pathways with to achieve a common goal rather than 
one that's ultimately going to drive a single toxic pathway harder you know um so yeah i agree with that for sure so we mentioned the kind of like stuff that metformin does um that we could talk about the mechanism like the, the sort of anecdotes of what it does and a lot of these things have been studied maybe we sort of go on to these like the things that people see when they use it and if there's data on it now that we know what it does um i mean the first one would be or rather the probably the most common question you guys get is like does it cause weight loss i'm like will will it help you lose weight and the basic answer is yes studies examining this have found that people lose weight when they take metformin um a couple of studies come to mind one where they take 850 milligrams twice daily for a year the average weight loss is two kilos i mean that's not massive um the biggest study on this was something called the diabetes prevention study um it's a massive study the largest study looking at, at weight outcomes anyway that we've got on on metformin now the thing to note here is that the adherent patients dropped 3.5 percent of body mass over two years of follow-up but the non-adherent patients were weight neutral. They didn't drop weight. Now, this is not adherence to a calorie deficit. This is adherence to taking metformin. Um, so the people that actually took it when they were supposed to lost weight. The people that would forget to take it, didn't really take it, their weight stayed the same. And, um, you know, 3.5% is fairly significant in terms of total um, body mass. So, like, does it cause weight loss? Yeah, there's lots of studies showing that it does cause weight loss. The question then kind of comes into how, and I don't think we can say with 100% certainty if there's one single mechanism at play. There's a few things that you could speculate about it. Um, another interesting one would be, does it prevent weight gain? Um, again, this, across the board, um, meta-analyses that included 700 and some in patients across was it 11 studies, something like that, 12 studies, shows yes, in the follow-ups, there's a decrease in BMI. So it does seem to prevent weight gain. Actually, a really interesting thing for our cohort here is because this drug is often looked at in type 2 diabetic situations here, um, and management of advanced type 2 diabetes often involves the use of exogenous insulin, as does bodybuilding. Um, so these are interesting studies for us to look at, really. Um, and there's complications with using insulin. Um, like, let's say you take too much and your blood glucose goes too low. What are you going to do? you got to eat. Yeah, you got to out-eat it. So now you're overeating, you're overfeeding. Um, so there's, there's studies that look at these issues where type 2 diabetes, uh, diabetics actually um, accidentally dose too high. And they have to out-eat their hypo, essentially. And this isn't far away from what bodybuilders do on a daily basis. We overfeed on carbohydrates every single day. And a lot of us take super physiological levels of insulin, um, which could drive insulin resistance and excessive net fat gain. Um, the studies here show that metformin continued beyond the initiation of that insulin therapy actually prevents insulin-mediated weight gain. Very interesting for our cohort here. By, so by one or more of those mechanisms elucidated that we spoke about, there is a attenuated net effect of the weight gain that can be driven by high blood serum levels of, uh, of insulin. Did they find that 
metformin prevents insulin resistance as well? It combats insulin resistance, yes, over the long term. So maybe the onset would be longer. I mean, it's not going to prevent it in the most extreme circumstances, but you do see across the board in these studies that insulin therapy can reduce, insulin dose requirements reduce. And um, like we said, the, the net fat gain of misdosing insulin is reduced. And I don't think that's that like a unique, amazing finding, considering we know that it drives increases in insulin sensitivity. The, the, the more interesting thing is, is that it, it can still drive those uh, positive benefits, even in the presence of high blood insulin levels. And if your exposure to insulin is higher, ultimately your potential to become insulin resistant is higher. So any bodybuilder that's moving through a gaining phase that at least should be overfeeding on carbohydrates, you know, isn't that the whole point? Um, we, say again. There you go. Well, essentially, this could be an indication for us that we could maybe drive that overfeeding process for longer before we skew that ratio of fat to muscle gain. Because yeah. one of the things I've looked into, I looked into berberine and its effect on adiponectin, adiponectin, I don't know how you pronounce it, but the, which is like a highly abundant, I think it's the most abundant adipokine, so fat, fat produced cytokine essentially in the human body, which mm. is massively inversely associated with obesity and obesity associated like complications, things like that. Mm. Um, so it seems like as adiponectin goes up, like obesity levels will go down um, and they've shown like quite a few times that it enhances insulin sensitivity and like I think there was a thing where they a study where they've shown that in combination with leptin it completely reversed insulin resistance and things like that um, and like berberine via activation of AMPK seems to promote adiponectin levels like an increase in adiponectin like, you know it's a stretch because I haven't actually looked into it with metformin, but you may have. But I wonder if there's a similar thing going on there in terms of a possible mechanism of, of action of how some of that happens, how, how it prevents insulin resistance. Along I haven't personally seen anything on that in metformin. That would be interesting area to look into. Potentially. Yeah, I mean, maybe it is out there. To use berberine alongside it. Yeah, or, yeah, it could just be another mechanism or rather another pathway that you can touch with another compound. And, Adiponectin is badass because of its ability to essentially combat inflammation, regulate glucose metabolism, fatty acid oxidation is badass. So I think mm. finding ways to increase that during a dieting phase or a gaining phase will have a positive effect on body composition. Yeah, and I think it's interesting when we do touch on the what AMPK activation offers us, specific subunits of AMPK activation. I think bodybuilders hear the words AMPK and they run the opposite direction. Um, which may be a mistake for anybody interested in health and longevity over the long term. Definitely some considerations may have to be made. But if you're like, I think it's a little bit short-sighted when an anabolic user is using drugs that transcribe anabolism and androgenicity at the androgen receptor or, you know, switch on mTOR to such a degree or even prevent muscle protein breakdown via interactions with glucocorticoid receptors. For us to actually be worried about minor interactions with AMPK is, is ridiculous. Um, Plus, I mean, you mentioned before that obviously metformin kind of worked on some separate isoforms of AMPK that wouldn't actually 
suggest we'd lose muscle anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so um, while we're on it, AMPK is a negative regulator of mTOR C1. So I understand why people, you know, people always send me to the same Dave Palumbo video where, well, firstly, he says, no offense, Dave. He says um, serum IGF-1 reduces um, with metformin use. There isn't actually any, any evidence of that. Um, it, it appears to have a non-statistically significant outcome on IGF-1. And even if it did, I actually would consider this likely a benefit for physique athletes because we really don't want high endocrine IGF-1. It's one of the many benefits of some drugs like the angiotensin receptor blockers. If we can reduce endocrine IGF-1, then but maintain maybe these localized IGF factors like the paracrine and autocrine IGF-1 that um, anabolic androgenic steroids drive the mRNA expression of. Like, that would be a good thing. So don't worry about that. Um, secondly, on the AMPK stuff, um, AMPK isn't a single protein complex. It's a family of protein complexes. So it's made of like three parts that we'd call subunit. And, and alpha... Like basically think of an ABY subunit and each of these is a protein and they're all various shapes or sizes. And within these, there's two types of the A subunit, two types of the B subunit and three types of the Y subunit. And you can, if you try to make as many combinations as possible of all of those subunits to form different kinds of AMPK, um, it's going to be two times two times three AMPK. So you've got 12. Um, and Within the literature, only three of those 12 possible combinations have been found in human skeletal muscle tissue. Um, I can't remember which ones. Um, so because these three different AMPKs have different effects on the muscle cells, this is important. So only the A1-containing AMPK appears to attenuate muscle growth. Um, and metformin has been shown in data to not have binding affinity for, for these specific um, yeah, that's the one that berberine acts on. So that I'd say if people are going to use berberine, like that, that mechanism of, I think they knocked out the act, the ability to for AMPKA one to do its thing, and it, it cut it. Um, so it abolished the effect of ber berberine on the dipenectin multiplication, so increasing dipenectin levels. So mm -hmm. that's where they're going to differ. Obviously, berberine could have a negative effect on muscle tissue. If you know, dose close to training, whatever it is, compared to metformin. So, again, that's where they're going to differ. I think another thing worth touching on here is, is metformin's ability to reduce appetite. Yeah. Um, very clearly in the studies, metformin has shown a dose dependent effect on the amount of food consumed uh, in studies that have like ad libitum feeding windows. Um, the mechanism by which this occurs isn't really entirely understood. The more that I learn about the gut microbiome, the more I think this could be driven by fat cell signaling within the gut microbiome, especially since obese individuals have been shown to have completely different um, like gut environments now. Although I, I don't believe the studies have been done on metformin in this area, I would imagine that's probably where we're going down this road but you know it as we said it also increases glp1 and peptide yy by the effects on the gut microbiome we do know that they do drive satiation you know in those awesome studies on fruit that increase glp1 when fruit is eaten pre-meal i'm sure you love that league <laughs> yeah. um 
But metformin does also impact leptin receptor expression and decreases leptin resistance. So another thing there. Um, there's a study that comes to mind where they, they monitor the amount of calories consumed after it was a placebo group, 850 milligrams of metformin and 1700 milligrams of metformin. And it was literally dose dependent, you know, decrease in the amount of food consumed. So if you're a dieting bodybuilder, maybe, you know, considerations here could, could pull the appetite down a bit. Um, but like we say, the gut microbiome stuff is super interesting. If anyone listening doesn't know what gut microbiome is, the word microbiome essentially means the entire collection of microorganisms in one specific area. So in this case, within the gut. And technically, the microbiome is the genetic material of them. Yeah. Yeah, like essentially that's, yeah, carry on. Well, like we were just saying, it's quite interesting the distribution of microbial flora has been shown to be different between obese and non-obese populations. Um, and there's like bacteria in these obese populations that's negatively correlated with obesity and, and metabolic syndrome, like um, bacteria that produces short chain fatty acids that decrease hepatic gluconeogenesis and, and reduce your ability to mobilize free fatty acids from, from fat cells um, and, and metformin, has been shown to change the concentration of this bacteria in the gut. I, I found this fascinating from a longevity perspective and also as, a, as just kind of a general health deployment for, for the obese, you know, you could have this dysregulated hunger signaling is literally something telling you to, to not only feed, but also to have an impairment in the nutrients that you are intaking, their ability, and also your own ability to even mobilize fat you know, there's a lot going on here that metformin could, could help with. Um, huge positive, like we mentioned longevity. I think this is what many of the longevity outcomes, I mean, many, many rodent models show extension of lifespan and health span with metformin. But like before anyone calls me on that, I know rats lives are super short and like it, you can increase it a, a, like a, a day for us is like years for them. So um, it's, it doesn't mean much, but there are epidemiological studies that show a decreased rate of cancer development, for example, in metformin users, and they're not mild statistics. They're very statistically significant changes. Again, it's not entirely understood why this is. There's a few hypotheses batted around, like the suppression of mTOR, which is linked to aging and aging-related diseases. Like we said, activating AMPK, which will reduce oxidative stress. That's a good point, actually oxidative stress being one of the main negative feedback inhibitors from anabolic androgenic steroid use over time that would decrease your ability to drive myotrophic adaptations from anabolics is high degrees of oxidative stress. Metformin directly reduces oxidative stress. You can see this in a lot of the literature where it's deployed as an acne treatment. So again, another wonderful thing amongst the list of many wonderful things that metformin seems to do. Yep. Um, stress angle would be, I mean, you could, you could, it's just another mechanism that we go into its effects on regulating blood glucose levels because of how mm. you know, there was quite a few, there's a couple of really cool studies that came out. They were in vitro, but very promising where they've shown that oxidative stress precedes insulin resistance and the insulin resistance is like a protective mechanism against heightened levels of oxidative stress in the sense of, and there's crazy amounts of, oxidative stress and cells are kind of overrun with their ability to produce energy they 
shut down the ability to take an extra glucose and it's just like mm. this insulin resistance completely manifests. So they found that, you know, being able to reduce the oxidative stress then increased the insulin sensitivity itself. So again, metformin is just another Oh yeah. If you can I mean as a physique athlete, if you can reduce oxidative stress or reduce insulin resistance capabilities or even down the line reduce myostatin you're, you're directly fighting against the main things that are going to get in your way of hypertrophy and people get lost as well with you'll get people that have been turned by the crowd of insulin you know insulin isn't any you know it doesn't make a difference to fat loss and stuff like that it, so yeah but when you're trying to build muscle and get as jacked as possible you do want that signaling cascade to be pretty efficient if you're mm. resistant to insulin the effect of insulin you're shortchanging yourself so context. context yeah so on that note i think like people might be saying this sounds like something i want to sort of add in and in my opinion actually and i'd put this out there is one of a couple of drugs that i would say probably every performance enhancing drug user should use to attenuate some of the negative health outcomes or maybe some of the primary toxic pathways involved with drugs like anabolic steroids. But the question then becomes, you know, is it safe? And I mean, look, we've got nearly a hundred years of data on it. It's been tested at extremely high dosages. It has passed safety testing, the standardized uh, carcinogenity testing passed. It's been deployed across multiple therapeutic dose ranges, way above what we'd ever need it, you know, highly effective at 500 milligrams per day safety data and trial data extends far beyond those dosages. So in my opinion, at least I would say, yes, it's been shown to have an excellent safety and tolerability profile in humans. Um, as of right now, it is only still clinically used as a treatment for type two diabetes and it hasn't yet moved into a treatment option for like obesity or metabolic diseases, which to me is quite odd because the evidence is clearly highly in its favor. Um, but I think that's, to be honest, that's probably covered it, man. I think we did that in half an hour. That was exactly 29 minutes. <laughs> I was just looking at the clock then and thought, that's probably all of it, all of the basics covered of, of what it does, yeah. I suppose the biggest takeaway that people would take is, and this is not advocating drug use by any means, but you know, if anyone is taking it upon themselves to dabble in performance-enhancing drugs, you know, the counter to some of the negative effects associated with those drugs is unlikely to be supplements that don't necessarily have a hell of a lot of clinical data, but it's more likely to be some yeah. sort of other drug that is a little bit more powerful in its action that has a lot of research proven to kind of counteract the negative effects of anabolics. Um, where metformin may fit in well, if you, if you feel like dabbling, but again, that's not promoting it at all. That's just saying there's some information if you want to use it, right? I agree. Yeah. Whichever way we look at it, people use drugs in bodybuilding. I work with people that use drugs. It's The onus is on me to be able to construct what you would call. And this is something like me and Cal have been through on our calls together is like constructing yeah. safer use models to get to the end goal, but maybe within a certain specific framework that we set ourselves with, you know, it could contain things like, only using drugs that are clinically used in humans right now or were at some point um only using drugs up to what we have available maybe in the trial data because we can create some kind of predictability of outcome there you know things like this that they're, they're all considerations that people should make when using drugs and 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 yes constant you know use of drugs that can attenuate some of the negative health effects of 
anabolics. You know, it might sound like polypharmacy on the surface, but you know, if structuring a stack design in this way could prevent insulin resistance or left ventricular wall hypertrophy or whatever drug it is that you want to go down the route of, then you know, it's, it's a worthy consideration at least. Especially when you get drugs like metformin and things like that that have very little negative health consequences, if any. So it's just kind of like, mm. yeah. Um, that was awesome. Well, yeah, I think I think that covered it. I think that's probably given everyone some, in, at least, an introduction on what what it does, the yeah. the kind of doses it's used at, and what to expect, how it works, um, and what they would expect from it. Yeah. And, and awesome. I, if there's anyone saying like, "Oh, but how do I use it again?" We're not going to publicly promote the use of a drug on this thing. So. Let me give you this. Um, the greatest glucose tolerance effects have been seen with a single dosing about half an hour prior to your final meal of the day. Um, and it's very effective in doses as low as 500 milligrams per day. So take that information and use it how you like. It sounds, awful, it sounds awfully familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I may have I may have used that protocol on, on myself, on my pets, rats. <laughs> Fre Joe frequents the pet shop and regularly um, <laughs> takes their rat stock. Well, it's not a research chemical, is it? No, maybe I wouldn't even need to say rats. No. Uh, and then, yeah, and if people are kind of have compared berberine in its action because of that research that, you know, compared the ultimate outcome, obviously the mechanisms will be different, you know, based on what we just discussed of the two, the, the potential for berberine to affect your ability to accrue muscle tissue will probably be higher. Mm. Um, so again, don't, you know, although berberine is far more readily available, like, you know, yeah, so over the counter, you can get that on. Well, it's not even that you can just get that on Amazon as a supplement. Um, you know, if you're if you're looking for the blood glucose controlling effects, then sweet. Um, but if they're kind of trying to explore some of the other things, then maybe uh, you know, bear that in mind. Yes, sir. I agree. Cool. Amazing. That was awesome. Happy um, days. Thank you for coming on, my man. Of course, man. Any time. Any time. Um, if anyone wants to, I'm going to do a, a, a shameless plug. If anyone wants to read content or, or even watch presentation-based content on drug-related stuff, as well as some, I do do some other stuff. did the dark chocolate one recently that people like. It's all on my site, joejeffreycoaching.com. I've been cranking out loads of stuff on there. Check it out. If you do have any sort of questions and stuff for me, you can get me on Instagram or via the website if you want a consultation to run through anything like blood work or stack design or you want to work with me just on a pd basis um you can hit up the consultation thing on the website my lovely wife uh, did this like scheduling thing on there for me now so that's all set up and if you want to apply for for coaching you can do so there but there is a bit of a wait um but you can apply ahead of time if if you guys want to check it out like joe's website is the same like the content that's on there for free is is rather ridiculous so anyone who's looking to level up their information like the knowledge about all this stuff then hit that up um and um i say you say dark chocolates you know un unrelated drugs i mean anyone who 
consumes dark chocolate regularly knows that it is pretty much crack. So it is drug related. The consumption of dark chocolate actually removes the need to supplement with any anabolics. It's that, <laughs> yeah, it's that potent. Studies, studies have found a dose-dependent increase in skeletal muscle mass, something to the tune of a kilo per, per square or something. Especially if you're brand, in prep, eat even more. Brand specific. It has to be Montezuma though. You literally, yeah. it, it, if, it's, if it's any other brand than Montezuma, it has the opposite effect in that <laughs> it drives muscle protein breakdown. It has nothing to do with that they lace their chocolate with Anavar. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> good, good drug choice of any right before this gets out of hand boys I'll, I'll wrap this up <laughs> um, thank you all for listening thank you for Joe I'll link all of your uh, your website your, your Instagram stuff in the bio mate and um, we will do this again soon on another choice of interest for sure thanks for listening guys